Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and your love. We thank you for this beautiful Sunday morning that we can assemble together in your name. Lord, we thank you for the guests that are with us today. We thank you for each part. But Lord, our request is that we would hear from you and that your Holy Spirit would have freedom to do business in each heart and soul here today. Lord, that truly we would worship you. In your name we pray. Amen. Psalm 30, we're going to look at just one verse this morning, but we're going to look at many other verses supporting that. Um, I believe that the Bible is its own best commentary, amen? If you want to understand a word, if you want to understand something in the Scripture... See what the scripture says about that very thing. And in Psalm 30 is a verse that we often like to quote. It's a, a beautiful verse. The first uh, phrase of the verse is uh, hints a little bit of the difficulty of the subject matter which we're covered today. But Psalm 30, verse 5, For his anger endureth but a moment. In his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Let's read that one more time. For his anger endureth but a moment. In his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. I'd like to preach this morning about enduring Unto joy. There's nothing necessarily pleasant about the endurance part, but we all like the joy part, amen? I, I mean, we like the part that is pleasant. We want to have that joy. And uh, we've asked this question often, and uh, it, might as well ask it again. How many of you could use a little more joy in your life? Would you raise your hand with me? Uh, I, I could use a little more joy in my life. I, I don't know anyone that could not use more joy. Now, what we don't need is frivolity. Amen? Uh, what we don't need is a soda can that's been shaken up too full. Uh, how many of you have ever done that by mistake? I mean, you, uh, the caps, the ones with the screw-on caps, you can control the situation. But the pop-tops... I mean, you just got to find a place to let it fizz out. Hopefully it's not on your suit or anything dry cleanable or on somebody's carpet. But that is so often when we talk about joy, what people look for. Is it not effervescence? I met a preacher one time. I mean, he was just always big smile on his face, everything. I mean, never saw this guy down. One time we were sitting around the table and he was there and one of the other preachers said, Brother so-and-so, he says, I just don't understand it. How are you so up all the time? And man, he had a big smile on his face. He'd just been laughing. He got real serious and looked and said, I lie. And I'm sitting there going, I, I don't want that. In my life. Do you? 
I want the joy. And, and this verse here says, For his anger endureth for a moment. How many of you have ever felt like God was upset with you? How many of you ever knew God was upset with you? I mean, raise your hand. I mean, God is upset with all of us, amen? God hates sin because sin destroys. Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Aren't you glad God doesn't give us what we deserve? But I'm glad that he makes us miserable sometimes. You know, I've met these people who say, oh, you should never discipline your children in anger. You should never show emotion when you discipline your children. Well, I mean, there is some truth in that. But if my little Jason is playing with the gas valve on the stove... I want to scare him bad enough that he's not going to do it again for a little bit. If he's picking a sharp knife out of the drawer, how do the children know which knives are sharp and which ones aren't? I mean, how do they know that? you got a whole drawer full of dull knives, and they got to pick the sharp one out. Does anybody else have kids like that? Okay. What do you do? Don't do that! <laughs> Hey, listen, sometimes God gets a little upset at you. But he does it because he loves you. He does it because he wants to shake you up enough that you're going to listen to him. Amen? His anger... Endureth but a moment. In his favor is life. Somebody passed out some literature they were trying to. Says God not only loves you. He likes you. Now the only problem with what they were trying to say is. That God likes you just the way you are and he doesn't want anything to change. That message is not found in the word of God. You see, God's love for you demands you to change. You have to change. How many are glad that God changes us? How many of you have been walking with the Lord long enough to see that God has changed some things in your life? I mean, I just don't believe in this new kind of quote-unquote relationship with God where you come as you are and stay as you were. That's not in the Bible, my friend. In His favor, there is life. God wants to change things about you because he wants to give you life and hope. But that change sometimes comes at a very high price. That's why it says weeping may endure for a night. 
I've known many stories. I could tell you stories out of my own life where God has had to change some things. And it was not pleasant. But when he changed them, there was joy. Amen? Now you see, the psalmist is writing this verse, and, and I, I wish, well, I don't wish, I'm, I'm not going to. I, I would like sometime to take the entire Psalm 30 and just work through that, but this morning I want us to just look at this one verse because there are many other verses in the Bible which will come together to help us get a fuller understanding of this verse. The Bible is full of commands, reminders, encouragements to just keep going on, not to stop in the middle, not to give in, not to give up, to endure. But let me tell you something, in the middle of this time where you're enduring, it says here, weeping for a night. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where the circumstances of your life were so that you actually could not sleep, but you stayed up and wept all night. I'll tell you what, about two or three o'clock in the morning, you kind of run out of some things now, don't you? It seems like the sun is never, ever going to come up. But... Joy is in the morning. And so I want us to look at this word endure and, and understand that God wants us, uh, and more than once, He commands, more than commands, He enables those that are His servants to endure. Now, before we go any further, I want to just give you a definition of endure uh, I looked it up in the Oxford English Dictionary, the lexicon of the English language. Definition number three says to undergo, bear, sustain, and continuous pain, opposition, hardship, or annoyance properly. To undergo without succumbing or giving way. Now that is an excellent definition of the word endure. It is to undergo, to go through, to bear, to sustain properly. I mean, every once in a while, more often than I would like, I have to tell one or more of my children, that's it! It's right here! No more! You know what? I've run out of endurance. That's not a good place to be. It says to bear, to sustain properly, to undergo without succumbing or giving way. That's a wonderful thing if it can be accomplished. Amen? Now, Let's look at some of these things we're supposed to bear, undergo, sustain properly to 
go through the situation without giving way or giving in to the pressures that be. Uh, Take your Bibles, if you would. We're going to turn to several verses here. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7, if you would. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 7. There are definitely things in the Bible which we must endure. The first one is not a fun thing at all. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7, If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons, for what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? Now, there's a great big dispute in our society today about discipline. Let me tell you, discipline, for it to be discipline, the, uh, let me see if I can get this right, I always get it mixed up. But the uh, exhortation must exceed the gratification. Uh, you must do something greater than what that child expects to receive from the wrong he is doing. Life must be made unpleasant in order for there to be chastening. Now, we're not talking about abuse. Any idiot that thinks you need to bruise and beat a little child is ought to be in jail. Amen? But sometimes God's got to work you over pretty good because the wrong that we do has a great pull upon our sinful nature. When God is trying to change you, it says you must endure chastening. You know, every child has the opportunity to rebel against chastening or to endure it. If they choose to endure it, they will be shaped and molded in the direction that the parent is working on. If they choose to rebel against it, we've used the example, little Johnny didn't want to sit down and finally the teacher went over. This was in the olden days when you didn't go to jail for this. Put her hands on Johnny's little shoulders and pushed him down into the seat. And little Johnny looks up defiantly and says, I may be sitting down on the outside, but I'm not sitting down on the inside. But how many, don't raise your hands now. How many when God has come over and through circumstance sat you down in your seat, echoed little Johnny's words to the creator God of the universe who loves you more than any person can love you. We do that when God doesn't match up to our expectations. Well, maybe God wants to change your expectations. In fact, I know He does. Because our expectations are not correct. Our heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. That's why we must submit to the chastening of God. If we will endure it, He will shape us and conform us to the image of Christ. 
if we get angry at Him and say, God, why do you do this to me? You've just lost an opportunity. And guess what? If God is going to teach you, He's got to turn up the temperature of the chastening. That's not a pleasant thing. You know, when you're a parent, you can't take a day off from being a parent. You've got to be with that child. And even if for some reason you're apart from that child, you cannot take a vacation from being their parent. I remember several years ago, the church got us a couple of days away. It was uh, in December, and we were just, Julia and I were enjoying a couple of days, and, and uh, all, it was probably about 6 o'clock in the morning or something, we got a phone call. We got an ice storm in Oklahoma City, and we don't know if we're going to be able to get out and get home, and we took several different calls and all of that. You know what? You don't ever get a break from being a parent. And that's a good thing. Because that's what parents are supposed to do. God is teaching us about his love for us. He never goes on vacation. And even if we think he is, he is still there. He will answer our prayers. Just a few pages over, the book of 2 Timothy... 2 Timothy chapter 2 says something else you've got to endure. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 3, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 2 verse 3, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of of Jesus Christ. Now I know we have a few guys here this morning that just love exercise. I mean it just really, they just love it. I'm not one of those guys. But I know I have to do something. I have to endure hardness. I mean, I hope you pray. I pray regularly for our military personnel. You know what? They have to endure hardness. How would you like to have 75 pounds of equipment on your body plus your field pack in 130 degree weather? And then for a nice relaxing night out, you get to sleep on the hood of your Humvee. I'll tell you what. I'm glad they endure hardness. And I am I pray for them and I want you to pray for them. But the Bible tells us as Christians we have to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You know what serving Christ is not the easy way to live life. Doing what the Bible says is not the simplest way. 
I've talked to many people about educating children and and I believe that the best way to educate your children is for you to do it at home. Oh, is that easier, Pastor? No, it's the most difficult thing in the world because you don't get that seven, eight-hour break every day. You got them there the whole time. But I'll tell you what, if your children grow up weird, it's because you made them that way. And I want my children to grow up weird by the world's definition. I don't want my children to be acceptable by worldly standards. Hey, do you know that it is acceptable by worldly standards to do drugs? Read our president's autobiography. That's acceptable. And he did inhale. And he did do whatever else he did. I'll tell you what, that's not acceptable to me. I don't want my children to try those things to see what they do so they can understand how bad it is. I want them to understand from this book called the Bible that it's sin and it's wrong and it will destroy them. And that there is no good that you can achieve in your life because of sin. I want my children to understand that they don't need to kiss half the girls in the county to find out the best kisser to be married to one. I want them to be ignorant. But you know what? It's hard to do that today, is it not? But that's what the Bible says. It says endure hardness. How many of you have ever been laughed at or scoffed because you because you were a Christian? Because you wouldn't participate in the other things that people consider normal and good. That's, that's what this verse is talking about, enduring hardness. It's okay to feel a little bad, but you don't change. You do what the Bible says. I've had people say, well, well, preacher, what, what do you believe about making the Bible relevant to the society in which you live? Absolutely nothing. I believe the Bible wants to make you relevant to the society in which God lives. That it is God's duty to change you. And that's hardness. That doesn't happen by accident. He wants to change the way that you think. He wants to change your understanding of circumstance. I saw a Christian film. I'm not going to tell you the name just a little bit ago. And it was, uh, I mean, the thoughts behind this film were just absolutely fantastic. They were about fathers being fathers and, and uh, uh, living right and clean in a wicked world. But one of the centers of the whole film was his little nine-year-old daughter says, Hey, Daddy, dance with me. And then his daughter dies, and so he goes out and dances by himself to a worldly, filthy song. And that's somehow supposed to ingratiate him and help him deal with his grief to God. 
Let me tell you something. That makes God sick. That's a thought process. That's a way of looking at life that is totally opposite of the word of God. I'll tell you. I want to do it God's way, not my way. And I'll be the first to admit, uh, there's a lot more failure in my life than I would ever want you to know about. And if you're honest, you would say the same thing. But it says to endure hardness. You know what that means? It means when... Life gets hard, you do it. How many of you remember the, what was it, the carrot? Um, oh, yeah, the carrot, the egg, and the coffee. Does anybody remember that story? It was passed around on the Internet a long time ago. It's a cool illustration. It says you take these three things and get three pots of boiling water on your stove. Let's put the egg in the first one. What happens to an egg when you put it in boiling water? It gets hard, does it not? It cooks. I mean, if you take a raw egg and drop it on the table, what happens? Mess. You take a hard-boiled egg and drop it on the table, what do you get? Breakfast. You just take the shell off. You know, some people, when they go through hard times, they get hard, just like the boiled egg. Other people are like the carrot. How many people know what happens when you boil a carrot? It turns to mush if you boil it long enough. You make baby food out of it, right? You know, that's what people do sometimes when they get in hard times. But how many of you know what happens when you take coffee? and add it to boiling water. It transforms the boiling water into a delicious, invigorating drink. Amen? And God wants you to endure the hardness and not give in to it, not become hard, not become uh, wishy and squishy and lifeless. He wants you... He wants to use you as a testimony of his goodness. Amen? The Bible says you need to endure hardness. The next one. Let's just go down two verses here to, to verse 5. Oops, I'm sorry. 2 Timothy 4, 5. Two chapters. Excuse me. Paul is talking to Timothy here. He says, But watch thou in all things endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. In 2 Thessalonians, Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica, So that we ourselves glory in you, in the churches of God, for your patience and faith, in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure. Do you know that if you're going to serve God, you're going to have to endure some afflictions, some tribulations, some people being cruel to you? 
just because you believe in the Bible. The Bible says you're going to have to endure that. One more. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 19. This is probably the most difficult one of all. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. Have you ever suffered wrongfully? Have you ever suffered because you did right? I mean, we have a little phrase that we often use, no good deed goes unpunished, right? If you ever really help someone, they'll never forgive you. Those are not biblical attitudes, my friend. The Bible says it's thankworthy. If you suffer grief, if ye endure grief, suffering wrongfully. Now, you know something it says here in all these verses? It doesn't say, uh, you're going to get a blessing if you endure chastening So therefore, you should endure chastening. Uh, You're going to get a blessing if you endure hardness. Therefore, you should endure hardness. But if you, for some reason, shouldn't endure hardness, God will forgive you and it'll be okay. It doesn't say that, Timothy, it would be best if you endure hardness, but God understands when you fit. Does it say that in any of these verses? You see, endurance of what we are talking about, according to the scriptures, is a byproduct or is the natural result of true Bible salvation. You see... We look at this verse in Psalm 30 and it says, Weeping may endure for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. We like that verse. But we get down to Matthew chapter 24, and that's where I'd like us to go next. Matthew chapter 24. And we get a little confused. Boy, I've heard some strange preaching on Matthew 24, 13. It says, But he that shall endure unto the end, the shame shall be saved. Now let's read that carefully so we got the right words there. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Now, there are many churches that teach if you don't endure, you lose your quest for salvation. Not this church, okay? We've never believed that. But does it not say, he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. It said, if, if you're going to have salvation, you're going to endure unto the end. Isn't that correct? So, what I want us to do is turn to Mark chapter 4. Keep your finger in Matthew because we're going to come back there. 
Mark chapter 4, in verse 17. Jesus is teaching a parable here, the parable of the sower. And this is one of the things that I mean by chasing the word through the scriptures. Verse 17 uses the word endure. And it just simply says, and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction, does that sound like uh, what we've been talking about here? Or persecution ariseth for the word's sake immediately, they are offended. Jesus used four different types of soil. This soil was the stony ground. That's shallow ground with a rock underneath. The soil gets into that, I mean, the seed gets into that thin layer of soil. It's much warmer. Uh, The rock will hold the moisture underneath. And so that seed gets a lot more of what it needs until it gets bigger. Then there's not enough because the roots can't reach the rest of the soil where the water is kept and the heat dries the plant out and it dies. Now what did Jesus say the key was? He says there was no root in themselves. Now, The idea of a root is something that grows. Amen? The idea of a root is where where a plant gets its supply of nutrients. Uh, The root of the thing is what makes it go. Every time I think about roots, I think about the gum tree on Grandpa Marshall's place. And all four of us boys got out there and uh, we... Finally, after six or eight hours, and I mean bleeding hands with blisters that were, finally he called in this guy with a little backhoe to pull this tree out. I mean, it had, the tree was only this big around. But it had a root that big around that went straight down into the ground. I'll tell you what, we could not get that tree out of there to, I mean, We expended all of our energy. Finally, Brother Marshall said, uh, uh, we've done our work. We'll we'll let the guy with the backhoe come in and do the rest. I want to say, why didn't we do that in the first place? Amen? No. The simple truth of the matter is, where do you get roots? It's when the Lord Jesus Christ plants himself into you. That's salvation. Okay? He that endureth unto the end, the reason he didn't endure in this parable that Jesus taught, because there was no root in himself. The reason the Christian must endure is because Jesus Christ has put himself in you. That is Bible salvation. We have an awful lot of imitations going out there. In fact, Jesus said, Many shall say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and done many wonderful works? What was his answer? Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never 
never knew you. You see, the key to having the root is believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. But you can't just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for your eternity and not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for the people you have to deal with at work tomorrow. Couldn't I get an amen on that? And that includes Peter. He has to deal with me. Amen? If you truly believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you cannot believe in him to take your soul to heaven and then refuse to believe in him when you have to deal with the death of a loved one. If you truly believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you have to believe on Him in every situation and every day. Now, before we go too far in the wrong direction, will you fail at believing on the Lord Jesus Christ? You bet you you will, because you'll choose sin. Isn't that true? How many of you have sinned since last Sunday morning? Raise your hands. Okay, if you haven't, check your pulse. Amen? There's something in us that is bound in that direction. But we need the root of the Holy Spirit of God, the root of Jesus Christ, living within us that will cause us to endure and will keep us from falling apart. Amen? Now, number one, the Bible says you're to endure afflictions. Let me make sure I get them all here. Hardness, afflictions, chastening, and grief, suffering wrongfully. That endurance does not come from you. If it comes from you, you will run out of endurance. If it comes from the Lord Jesus Christ, you will endure to the end. But you will not have a choice because the work that is done is His and not yours. I just want to, for sake of time, read a few verses here. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 3, But the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. Jude, verse 24, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Philippians 1, 6, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. I want you to understand something today. If you trust Jesus Christ with your soul, He will take good care of it. He will keep you. He will make you endure. And if you find yourself in a situation where you can't endure, where you think of giving up on God and quitting on everything, I want to challenge you, you need to examine your salvation, whether it to be truly of the biblical sort or, of not, or not. 
we still all together? Because there are many false hopes of salvation out there. And I would be amiss as a pastor not to warn you of that. And here's one of the ways that you can know. You can't not endure. I know that's a double negative. It's not proper English. But if you are truly saved, you will endure because it is the root of Jesus Christ that will keep you going. Now, just a few more verses and we'll be done. James chapter 5 and verse 11. James chapter 5 and verse 11. We're going to exercise your page-turning abilities here. Again, we're looking at all of these verses so we can understand this one that we started with this morning. James chapter 5 verse 11 says, Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, ye have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. It says, Behold, we count them happy which endure. I'll tell you what, there is not going to be a happier man on planet earth as to when I can stand in this pulpit, not this pulpit, the new one that will be here, and not on this carpet, but the new carpet that will be here, and when I can tell you this auditorium is finished, because we've been at this for four years, and I'll tell you what, we're still enduring. Amen? We're going to finish because Stephen is going to help me. No. How many of you have ever had a long-term difficult project that you actually finished? Tell you what, that was a happy day, was it not? There was some joy. How many, how many of you graduated college? You talk about a long term. Well, we got some graduates from high school here. They told me that the world was going to end. How many of you remember the planets were all going to be in a straight line from the sun in June of 1982? Now you know how old I am. That was a few years ago. And you know what happened when all the planets were in a straight line from the sun? All the planets are in a straight line from the sun. I love it when God makes the scientists look the fools that they are. I just enjoy it. Hey, you know what James is saying here? How many of you have read the story of Job? How many of you have read what the Bible says? If you want to endure, believe God's word. That's all there is to it. And you will be happy when you've done it God's way. If you're willing to wait until God brings that person that he wants you to marry into your life. Let me tell you something, you'll be happy. My wife and I have been happy for almost 25 years. At least I have been, amen. Now she's smiling at me. Listen, believe God's word. John chapter 16, Jesus was on his way to Gethsemane. He told them that you're going to weep, you're going you're to lament, the world's going to rejoice. 
And, and ye now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask in the Father in my name, he will give it you. Now that doesn't mean that God's going to give you a brand new Cadillac. You couldn't afford the insurance. And by the way, it helps if you get a driver's license first. Amen. The simple truth of the matter is that we need to put that in context. You see, the joy that God wants to put in my soul is for me seeing Him work in my life. You want to endure? Get some answers to your prayers. When is the last time you looked at a difficulty as an opportunity for God to answer prayer? It'll change your understanding of life and reality. Amen? God wants to answer prayers. He'll put you in some difficult times because He wants you to learn how to pray. He wants you to undergo without succumbing or giving in. Hebrews chapter 10 says, Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward, for ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. You know what? You don't get the rewards until you get to heaven. And you can lose them between here and there, even though you have them today. But if you'll trust the Lord, then this whole verse that we started with makes perfect sense. For his anger endureth for a moment. You know what? Sometimes God has a right to be upset. And you deserve to feel a little bit of his wrath headed in your direction. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's why it says, but for a moment, in his favor is life. God will chasten you because he favors you. He will allow you to endure suffering and hardness because he wants to conform you to the image of his son. That means change. That may mean some weeping Enduring for a night. But my friend, joy comes in the morning. How many of you would say, Preacher, I want that verse lived out in my life. I, I want to live that verse. Well, first of all, you have to understand that you need to be saved the Bible way. That happens when you stop trusting in church and everything else and trust only in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a point in time when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, period. Then it's going to come the chastening, the hardness, the afflictions, the grief. But don't look to yourself. Because the root 
is not you. It's Jesus Christ. That means you just have to believe what the Bible says. Even if nobody else agrees with you in the whole world. You know what? I believe what the Bible says. And I'm not going to let anybody change that. In my heart, in my mind. You want to call me foolish and stupid and backward and childish? You know what I say? Amen. Because I know this book is right. And the endurance is not in me. It's in the Lord Jesus Christ. When I face difficulties, guess what? It's an opportunity to get another answer to specific prayers in my life. Hey, that's joy. Amen? It's another opportunity to go through a situation and not give in to the world, not give credence to the critics, not say that, you know, the devil is a little right. The devil isn't right about anything. He cannot be. Because even if he agreed with you, would you believe him? No. See, it's like saying, my best friend, John Gotti. What would you think about me? Let me tell you, it wouldn't be good. Because he is an evil man. But I'll tell you what. His anger endureth but a moment. In his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night. But joy cometh in the morning. I want to be with him. That's where the joy is. Oh yeah, there's some weeping too. But that's okay. Because the weeping is there. So that I can understand what true joy is. And all God's people said. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you in prayer this morning. Lord, we ask that you would take this simple verse... And Lord, I pray that all of our chasing through Scripture would not have confused anyone, but help us to focus in on the meaning of those simple words. Lord, we may have people here that are just can't understand why life has to be so hard. Lord, help them to understand that, first of all, we must be saved. Second, just as we believed on you for our salvation, we must believe in you to bring us through this time without succumbing to it, without becoming a part of it. Lord, when we do fail, seeking your forgiveness for it, that we may continue on the path of endurance unto joy. We ask that you would work in each heart here today. Lord, the truest form of worship is not how we feel today. It's what we do in response to your word tomorrow. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. The hymn of invitation 500.